The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. So they just, it's like I reminded them, this, this NPC comes along and tells them, well, this is what you're going to have to do. And then this NPC comes along and says, well, hey, guys, this is what you're going to have to do. And they go, yeah, got it. We're got good. It, See it. you. <laughs> Forget you guys. Dude, that's always the Hard best. Hard mode select. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now I repeat. I'm, as an NPC, blah, 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 blah. And the players are like, yeah, cool, got it. And then three sessions later, you're like, you remember those like 80 NPCs? That I never happens. You? Never <laughs> happens. So that's the nice part is on her game, I'm playing a barbarian. So if I forget, I'm like, well, my guy's just dumb. I that's fair. That's ratted, legit. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ratted your ass out on Friday. This is a whole party. Like, just so you guys know, this is his tell when he makes this specific face. He's literally thinking... I have an idea, but my character's too dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there's a puzzle, and I think I know what it is, but my grung barbarian doesn't. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm going to leave the room now because I can't fucking deal. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, come on, come on, let's put this together. Love beginning of the session. You guys are like, we're going to kill so many bad guys. I'm like, oh, but you got to make it through like three puzzles first. Right. Oh. <laughs> Then you get to the bad bad guys. guys. (laughs) Also, there's puzzles with the bad guys. Welcome. Yeah, Yeah, that's tomb. It's all tomb stuff. Oh yeah, tomb annihilation stuff. So, so that because you were telling me about that before we were having lunch, Mm -hmm. and you you were talking about the whole scenario. So all that stuff was from the original, not the the custom. The way I'm adapted, normally the trickster gods don't leave the the tomb. Right. Um, But I'm breaking it. So (laughs) my game. What you want? Come on, John. (laughs) Fuck. How it works. Yeah. They work this way. So, yeah. No, uh, uh, but they, they possess the, the character who touches or try to possess the character who touches the item that they live in. Naturally. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, like you do. then they, they'll try and help, but their ideas are not very good, usually. And they're all, uh, there's one for each alignment. And so it's a, there's lots of push me, pull you sorts of crap going on if you have too many of them on board at once. I'm going to get all nine. Just to me. <laughs> Collect them all. That would be a very bad idea. Yeah, that would be a very bad idea. I believe idea. there's a mechanic where you can only be possessed by one at once. That could be true in the, the as it's written. I'd have to look that at, over. That, but I, I as want them it's to, written. Right. Yes. I want them yeah, to have all nine. In the RAR. We, yeah. we, we, want, to, um, we want to push the envelope a little, right? <laughs> See, we're going to have a hard Test enough time anyway me. because I said I'm a barbarian and our whole party is me, two rogues, and a warlock. And that's all we got. What? Dude, think like yeah, we're we're done. (laughs) If a barbarian were smart but had no self control, that's Joe. Yeah, and then I've got a warlock that's basically a bard but does warlock stuff. (laughs) And one of the two rogues only has uh, plus one in dex. Nice. You nice. You're listening to Metagamers Anonymous uh, presentation of I don't know prismatic tsunami and stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. My name is Eric. I'm Alicia. I'm Joe. I'm John. And I'm Jay. You're Jay? You're Jay today? Today. I'm good with that. We don't have to get confused or anything. He's usually the kid. Uh, It's got to be getting old to be the kid. You know, never. That's (laughs) kind of... You're only as old as you feel. It's literally against the concept. I mean... Never too old. Oh, I gotcha. (laughs) I'm not not even engaged. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to talk a little bit about some GM stuff because uh, that's what I got is a room full of Game Masters today. And uh, even Joe. (laughs) Yeah, I just started running a game at the borough that actually Alicia's playing in. Cool. I'm playing in two games a week. Awesome. That's got to be The strange. universe is fucking broken. <laughs> I am playing in more games than I'm running. Yeah. yeah what yeah. is happening? I never, never, never have done that. But I play in zero games a week. So it's that's my first fair. time. Right. 
we technically, that. technically, uh, my daughter's trying. She's trying to get another one rolling. Uh, but you know, You're I, just I do too much fun to play with. Dude, that's sure. I don't think that's the way that goes. <laughs> I always feel don't. bad when I'm a player. <laughs> You feel bad when you're a player? Yeah, I well, feel like DMs just come with extra baggage. <laughs> that's that's a real DMs thing. Has, it is DMs a thing. I know it is. definitely a challenge. Yeah. That's a real thing. It's that's also handy just because if I forget a rule, I can look at Alicia and go, what's the rule? And she'll be, oh, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> it's on this page Dude, of the DMG. I do not know my pages, but I do have little sticky notes. Dude, yeah, since, since gaming with you guys, I have learned so many rules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's because I played at the borough for a long time, and there's always at least one rules lawyer. Yeah. So you've got to be good, yeah. yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's legit. I, I feel like that's okay, though. I don't feel as a game master that I have to have a grasp on every single no. little fucking thing. No. 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 The only times it's ever an issue is if it calls into question something being done handled fairly at the table. And I still have, you know, uh, never had an issue, I think, really, with that grinding things to a halt or, or being problematic. Now, Alicia kind of drives me nuts because her way of doing this is, um, okay, so I thought it worked like this, but I guess not in your game, so fine, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> You're the DM. It's hey, your choice. that was a very tired Alicia night, and I prefaced that evening with, I have I, absolutely no energy. I get the end of I'm your work here. week. I get the end of your work week every week. It's always a really There's tired There's a lot Alicia of alcohol night. involved. <laughs> I am very sorry. Uh, no, you're good. Um, <laughs> it's always a lot easier to forgive, like, screwing up a rule or not knowing the rule if it's in the player's favor. Right. Well, if, if, if yeah. The, the rules, the right? rules get, are a great way to say, or are most useful as a way to say no to players or, or no and uh, or no but or whatever. And that's no not but. even that's not even malicious. No, I mean, that's, no, it's just, that's it's just, just organic. Right. 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 You know, you, you're not necessarily uh, going to notice so much. Well, Occasionally a player will go, oh, well, you know, that actually I think works this way. Damn it. I wish it didn't. I you know? I do that all the time. I'm like, actually, you'd get an attack for opportunity. And everyone's like, stop telling him. I'm like, why? I'm going to be fair to the DM. Yeah. But Joe, you like having miserable, terrible things happen to your character. Yeah. Because that's when it's more fun. That's my kind of player. Right? You're the right kind of player. Yeah, yeah. A, a player Embrace who understands that it's supposed to be a trial, not just a victory every single yeah. round. Right. Who gets it. I'm already on my third character in the Tomb of Annihilation game, and this barbarian is not making it through this dungeon. Keep keep making oh, characters. I almost well, killed I mean, one of our other characters, and I thought she was going to kill me. <laughs> just saying. I mean, it's Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. People that is die. what I said that night. And since then, both <laughs> of the ladies at my table now have backup characters ready to go. I think Tomb of Annihilation is, um, I mean, the source material is already, <laughs> why? Right. <laughs> who Who thought, you know what? <laughs> we, we, need more of, we need more of that. And, 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 I mean, obviously they found a way to expand it well because it's, uh, from all reports, Obviously, mm-hmm. present company included, it's an excellent mm-hmm. adventure. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm looking online. I mean, you can find everyone who rates all of the current published books, and Tomb of Annihilation is always one, usually one of the top two, up there with Waterdeep Dragon Heist, which is Dragon the one Heist. I just started running. And people like Curse of Strahd quite Curse a bit. Of Strahd yeah, is quite good. Yeah, those I think the three I hear mentioned the most. I haven't Baldur's Gate. Uh, the the the. Baldur's The Descent to Avernus. I ran that one. It's a fantastic story. The book is set up horribly. Really? There's no incentive for the party to actually go on the adventure. Ooh. The, I will say, the, I absolutely adore the Adventures League content from the Avernus. Yeah, I never looked into any of so that. So good. 
But the you know you start as a group that has grown up in Baldur's Gate, which is not a town of lawful good characters by any means. <laughs> and then the only incentive to go on the adventure is it's the right thing to do. Oh, but of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've heard of that. Yeah, I don't understand how it applies to D and D characters, but I've I've heard of it. Yeah, right. That's, that's a, a for an experienced DM. That's a relatively easy fix, though. Oh yeah, I just rewrote the beginning of the adventure. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Hopefully you're getting good stuff out of your character backstories and stuff like that that you can use to motivate them, playing around with whatever tools you have for that. It could be a bit of a trick. And, but that's always been kind of – I mean I realize these adventures that are released now since 5th edition came out, these these hardcover kind of epic adventures that are kind of emblematic of what we think of as D&D now I guess or whatever. All the, and all the great you know extraneous material that the community has developed. But – I mean, there's no sacred cows in that as far as story goes or, or concept or write-up or any of that. And I, I mean, I, like a lot of Game Masters, I spent my career adapting adventures I found to fit my interests mm-hmm. or needs in a campaign. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they have <laughs> often nothing to do with the original right. material. Right. <laughs> right. you know, like you said about the temple, you know, right. the tomb rather, dropping it into Eberron and stuff the way yeah, you were talking about. just in the middle of the Talenta Plains. You know, it fits there. Dinosaurs, halflings, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all fine. It's all good. I dig it. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about, um, well, okay, so I run a game Monday nights, Joe and Alicia are in it. And it's been kind of a ride. We've explored some different kind of um, realms, some different kind of uh, planes, some different uh, types of stories in it. I've I've really wanted to kind of um, give us an opportunity to range through a lot of different kind of land, wor- you know, groundwork there, different stories with different emotional kind of baggage and stakes, and I think that it's worked pretty well. Yeah, you know, I worried that it gets a little it gets a little long in the tooth because we we have this particular gaming group, we have a lot of cancellations, we have a lot of delays. Sometimes it gets tough to kind of stay on top of that stuff, but it's a small group, so it's been pretty easy, I think, to stay focused. Yeah, just four players. I'm getting to like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't used to like small groups as same. much. Same. Like right? 100% same. I, you were always though like, I'm going to run I'm for like, 18 I want, people. I want seven to eight players always. That's, I had one night where I had 11 seven. people at my table and that was too many. Yeah. Jake, but, I tell you, it's that, that was kind of my habit for a long time was if I can get eight people at the table, I am satisfied. Until we get there, I'll keep inviting people to play. Right, you know, and even even as picky as my group used to be, and as picky as I could be about group chemistry and stuff like that, it's like you know, you just and you always end up with the one guy you kind of like. I wish you'd drop out so I could find some. No. <laughs> <laughs> All of my former players listening, going, was, Wait, was that me? Was that the other guy? No, we all know you're talking about Eric tried the If you don't know who you are, <laughs> hearing this voice all the time. I really feel like uh, those players add a, a type of texture to a game, though. The players who don't do what you expect in terms of fitting into the the paradigm, the the role playing, the the style of characterization, all the stuff that I focus so much on at my gaming table. You get a big group. Invariably, you get at least one person who is just not not on the same page. Jump out the window and run away from everything you wrote. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well. You know, it's fine. It's fine. And and small groups, we don't really have that problem so much. I think one of the reasons isn't necessarily because you avoid those players, but because in a small group, that particular chemistry forms organically right? more easily. You don't have as many kind of pivot points to, to kind of build around. So I'm digging it. It's been a lot of fun. And, and that game in particular has been actually one of my favorite campaigns I've run in recent years, if not my favorite. I, I, but I'm just in love with my writing. It's not you guys. No. Right. Yeah. We, <laughs> we're just there to mess everything up. No one up. was confused. 
Oh boy, are you guys ever? Okay, so <laughs> wow. There's only been I'm gonna outrun a giant. Never had players who hey, screw up my games. Not once. We've only had two of the four kill ourselves. Right? Yeah, only two no. players that have sacrificed themselves in a meaningful way, suicidally. I might add. Yeah. Not throw yourself at the bad guy in a suicidal way. We, I mean, Gwen kind of did that. But it, it, yeah, it, more of but the not without preamble though. More like of there the, was always reasons. I'm going to kill myself in order to make a statement, or I'm going to kill myself in order to accomplish something that'll only happen because I'm dying. Yeah, shit like that. It's kind of crazy, and that that I think it changes the stakes because when you have player characters who are willing to push the envelope. So readily, and I and I have put the pressure on yeah. these characters are dealing with a. I mean, it's not it's not like a bunch of high pressure situations put together. It's kind of like one long, tense situation that we're not entirely sure how to resolve or what's what's even fucking happening with it. But you give you have plenty of stuff to do in front of you all the time. You right. know, there's not a whole lot of sitting around trying to figure out well what the hell am I supposed to do with this? You know, right. it's like well we have we have problems. We can't focus on that right now because we got problems. You know, our our long term goal is I think that. But, yeah. you know, meanwhile, we can't think about that. We've got this. That's kind of been the nature of the game. So uh, the interesting thing to me has been that this particular game has given me the opportunity to kind of push around the goalposts a lot, though. And that's kind of what I want to talk about, because I think shifting the goalposts is a unique, a unique opportunity for game masters to really employ the, the stakes in their game responsively mm-hmm. with the players. And if you're not familiar with the term, uh, basically shifting the goalposts is usually used as a um, not not exactly a complimentary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a fallacy, right? It's like saying, you know, here's what we're telling you you're trying to accomplish, but you keep changing what we're actually trying to accomplish. But in this case, what I'm looking at are ways to use that in the player's favor, in the character's favor, in the story's favor, and looking for opportunities in gameplay to do that as you go. And uh, it can be challenging uh, to maintain a level of continuity, obviously. It can be, it's important that you are comfortable with where it's going in your story, you're cognizant of how it affects other things, how it can snowball. But more than anything, your player's your char- their characters, in our case, um, will make the decision for me a lot of times as Game Master where we're trying to get to because, A, their player their, their ideas are often better than mine. <laughs> um, B, they will see things that I didn't, you know, and that's that's part of the fun. That's not a problem, guys. If you're, if you're running games and you feel that's a problem, you're not running them right. And I hate to be the guy that says that because we try to say there's no wrong way to play, right? You, right. Everybody's oh, there's got their – There's oh. definitely wrong ways. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's some places that you really got to know. <laughs> this is where I think you're getting at. If it's my way or the highway, that's – That's a problem. Yeah, that is yeah, a problem. And I don't care who that's coming that from. If it's yeah. the DM or a player at the table, right. that's not going to fly. Right, right, right. But if you're if you're adjusting or adapting a situation because it's cooler that way or because it creates an opportunity for and this is me guys just don't think that this has to be your game if it creates an opportunity for drama that you might not otherwise have had because right. I fucking love drama <laughs> uh, it's 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 all about um, it's all about building story. And building a story that everybody's engaged in. Just like if your players come to the table, how, how many times have we talked about on the show said, 
you know, backstory is so is so important because you build this kind of framework at the start, unless you're Alicia. You build this kind of framework at the start. <laughs> I did it on purpose. I told you. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, it would yeah. be interesting. She, she, she wanted to challenge me, I could tell. Um, I just gave you, like, I just here, thought she didn't have any ideas. The at the time, want. I thought she just didn't have any ideas. I, I think she had ideas. Have you, have, you, yeah. have you figured out that there were ideas? I was just like, look, look, it's it's a sandbox. What right. do you want to do with it? Um, but my job as the game master is not usually to play in the sand. But and see, still. other DMs come with baggage. That's exactly right. what I was thinking. <laughs> And that's that is a real thing. Yeah, that's it is a fucking real thing. All of our baggage is different, but it's there. <laughs> and, and do you guys do that? Do you do you go to another table with just? I, I mean, baggage is is such a excessively yeah. oversimplification, but with with DM oriented ideologies that can't be left completely at the door. I mean, I try not to, but I'm sure I do. I'm usually a thing that I'm usually trying to pay attention to mm-hmm. that I wouldn't if I was just a player is looking for things I can steal. Um, <laughs> techniques, ideas, nice. anything, yeah. anything that I can lift, I'm going to lift. Um, anything that'll make my game better. So a yes. way of handling a situation, um, playing with people who are better at the rules than me is always great for learning the rules. Um, Even if they're the players. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. especially if they're the players. Yeah, the players yeah. are motivated to figure that stuff out. <laughs> yeah, they are. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, they, they especially, well, we were talking about Adventure League earlier. It's especially true in Adventure League where there's a sort of culture of DM versus player, and the rules are mm-hmm. what give everybody. And why the fuck is that? I don't where know. Where does that come from? Uh, it is, I, I think that it has been a, it, it's because that it's not a home game, and because it's not. You don't necessarily get to choose your GM, especially if you're at a convention. You're going to sit down at a table with a player or with a GM who you don't know. And the only control you have over how your character performs in that space is the rules. And so having rules that are rules as written right. uh, levels that. If that makes sense. That makes so, sense. yeah, I, th- I think – I mean, I don't want to say like that there used to be a really bad culture of, of bad DMs and stuff like that or, or Back players. Back in the are, day. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we all want to play the that same really game. Is a thing. Do we still see that? Do we still see DMs who, who treat you, – You always will see some of it, but I think – uh, the impression I get is that we've kind of reached the point where most players have the option and will exercise it to just walk away from just a find bad another game, game. find another table. I think that's or even become a bad player. Really widely accepted. It's like, yeah. hey, if you're not having a good time, then I don't want you here. It's not that I don't like you as a person or that I have a problem with you, but if you're not having fun, then I don't want you to spend your time here with right. me. I don't yeah. want you to spend your time doing something you want to do. I don't want you to waste my time, and I don't want to waste your time. It's it's a mutual. Mm-hmm. Even even running the convention, you got to worry. I'm, you know, I run the con. I see. I, I don't know everybody. I know. I I'm getting to the point now. We've done this several years with a lot of the community. I know a lot of us now that that run that you know sign up to run games. There's always people that I don't know, and so I have no idea what kind of gaming experience that is. And I can't obviously be responsible for that. My job as the convention director at this point is to put the two of you in touch with each other, and you figure it out. Right. So, but but if you end up at a table with a game master that you don't really enjoy gaming with, you just don't sign up for one of their games again. Yeah. 
Worst case scenario, you walk the fuck away in the middle of the experience. When you start looking at bigger conventions where, especially Adventure League, where you choose a table of a particular adventure, you mm-hmm. don't get to pick the GM. Right. And right. so a lot of times you're just going to sit down with a, a somebody you may know from having played with them before. No, that's you, fair. I've you, done that before where I filled a, I filled right. a seat that had already been right. assigned. I did it at Gen Con this year, yeah. actually, with the, with the Monty Cook group. You know, nobody knew who was going to be running that game. Right. And so, I mean... That environment, it, it's just harder to walk, sit down at the table and have trust between player and GM in an environment where you just don't know who it is you're sitting down with. And so I think that's where a lot of that culture of rules being so important and and uh, a lot of that mistrust comes from. And it's just perfectly natural I situation. tend to forget that a lot of those bigger conventions, everybody's paying for that seat too. Also mm-hmm. true. Yeah, that's why I didn't sign up to play in games at Gen Con because it would have cost me money out of pocket. I right. just did some pickup games. I, I, that, that's actually kind of an eye-opener. And I, I think a lot of smaller cons probably do it the way we do, where they don't <laughs> charge for the table. There's no right. table fees or anything. So it kind of uh, escapes my mind that that's a thing that people have to really be concerned about. They're, they were, they're invested. Right. I worried about that when I ran games at um, – I did think about it at Gen Con, but I mean, it was true there too. But I ran games at uh, Genghis Khan when I ran Savage World stuff there mm-hmm. uh, pretty prolifically at one of the conventions. And I was like, oh, these, these people are all paying to sit at my table. i got to fucking step up my game, right? Right. I mean – I always try to step up my game, but well, you know, and, and just, I just, just, just remind your home yeah. game folks that they're not paying for the right to be there and they will get what you damn well feel like giving them this week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What a capable I, of I giving. I think you touched on something really important there, though, when people come to a game and they don't have a relationship yes. with the GM. Because I've always struggled with that in play spaces and you just put it to words so perfectly. Mm, yeah. It's almost like you've been around for a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you done this a time or two, John? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. But so it's, been it's in it always a hard when you're going into a, hair in the room. a public play space <laughs> to instill that sense of trust in your players over one or two sessions so that they can kind of just let those walls down a little bit and enjoy the game. See, I'm lucky enough, even though a lot of the games I run are at the borough, but like right now, I have five players. Three of them are coworker friends who I brought to the sure. borough, sure. and one of them's my wife. Right. Sure. And the other yeah. one is a player who's played at my table multiple yeah, times. And my table multiple yeah. times. So he's been around. You, obviously, you don't always get to pick it, but in the rare opportunity that you have to basically do so, no reason not to. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, but that's just that's just building a gaming group because you're you're also you're talking about you're not talking about like one shot game store games. You're talking about campaigns. Yeah, I'm running a campaign. They're, not they're coming a back every week yeah same players that makes a difference i mean that that's not a whole lot different than running a home game it's just that you have some risk you don't up have front. to clean up your living room <laughs> right <laughs> there's that i don't anyway i game at their place yeah. uh, <laughs> i have more minis yes yeah. true my favorite oh my, oh my god. god my favorite night ever was the night that you're like i just need a large dragon i'm like what kind yes. i'm sure you don't have it Humor me. What kind? <laughs> I need a large shadow dragon. I got it. Hold on. I got two drawers of dragons. Give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> I had the exact shadow Was dragon. Was that a small, so. medium, large, or extra large? Dude, I, I need do not a- have multiple. I have one shadow dragon. Okay. It just happened to be the right size. <laughs> I, I could gush on about this, too, because it's not something I usually do a lot of. I don't do a lot of maps and minis in my games. You guys obviously know that, oh, too. Yeah. But when I do, when when I do, it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's that it's that special combat or weather, that special mm-hmm. scenario, and so having those kinds of options, I don't usually have that. I have when I'm doing stuff online, I have a ton of maps. I've I've been collecting battle maps for years, and now they're more accessible than ever. And I mean, there's all kinds. There's a Kickstarter every three weeks for more battle maps, and I've bought them. <laughs> right. I bought them. They're fantastic. You know, I love supporting that shit too. 
And recently, though, because we started doing this, I started buying physical ones, too, which I've never actually done a lot of that. I used to actually print them if I needed them right? and put them together. Or because I'm that guy, because I deal with a print shop already, you know, in town to do all my other stuff professionally, I will often have them print a map for me. You know, it, may, it costs me a few bucks, but it's worth it for a great experience, especially right. if it's for a convention game where I'm going to run the game again and again sometimes. I'll run that scenario at different cons. Then I've got that map that's, you know, right. nice. And, and that's when you laminate good. it. I yes. saved that dragon yes. skeleton. It's in one of the drawers. <laughs> it it's a, a it was a cool map. Yeah, it, was it was a super cool map. I wasn't going to throw that away. Uh, that was one I put together in pieces, right? Yeah. Was that, yeah, yeah. That's Even like better. Printed, printed it page by page and then had to like, you know, I remember those puzzle days. it together. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. It was great. It's, it's just a really pretty map. It was cool. It was a bridge over a chasm and in the, in the fog deep underneath it, you can see just this massive dragon skeleton pieces of it laid out. I don't even know what company nice. made it, and I don't remember where I picked it up, but it was one that I, I'm pretty sure it's the one I bought somewhere. So I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, it <laughs> looked awesome. I've had fun. I mean, most of my games these days are played online. Mm-hmm. But even before that, we were doing a lot of digital stuff. I was doing the Leia TV down on the table mm-hmm. thing and stuff like that. And th- years ago, there was one battle where it was happening on a dock, and I wanted there to be a, a tsunami wave that would come through at some point. <laughs> And so because it was digital, I could, like, take the, the wave and move it across the yeah. thing. Around. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, one of my players said, uh, yeah, that's what I like, John. Fuck you, imagination. <laughs> <laughs> so Balls out rad, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I, but I don't do a lot of that. So, you know, getting the chance to now is great. I, I, um, there was one night I sat down and said, I think we need a throne room. And Joe's like, okay, give me a second. And pulls out his phone and looks for a mask. <laughs> Does this work? And then the next thing I know, he's drawing it out. And Leisha's digging for minis and props, like yeah. columns and throne and carpet and all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just kind of cool. You know, it's kind of great. Now, here I am gushing about a thing that a lot of people listen to me going, what the fuck is special about that? That's like Tuesday. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's that's normal. It's just, it just makes me it happy because usually you're the, I don't need maps. It's fine. We do theater of the mind. We do. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it is. But it Most makes me happy time. that you're enjoying the, the map utilization. Well, and, and to be fair, I probably wouldn't have gotten into as much as I have if we hadn't done enough online gaming. Even with this campaign, we started online because we yeah. started during the pandemic. And uh, not, that, not that the pandemic is ancient history. <laughs> <or anything. laughs> yeah, yeah. Very well said. Uh, so, I mean, if I hadn't done so much of that and had that just easy option of throwing maps up there, you know, and then do a little, but still miniature combat is a very different animal yeah, mm-hmm. and feels very different. It, it's a little stilted to it, me. You know? It is fun using Alicia's minis though. You're like, Hey, you're going to fight 18 goblins and she'll pull out 18 different, different goblins. goblin minis. <laughs> oh, every time there's a new goblin at the broad, I'm like, and I need that. Didn't you just buy like three more the other day? She Four does more. this. And it, the funny thing is that even if we're not using, even if we're not using maps or minis, I describe a creature and she's like, oh, I think I got that and goes and finds it. Sometimes, not always. I have stopped. I've slowed down. I, I just, I, I enjoy that you're excited. I don't care. Oh, I love I my minis. I shame anyone for buying stuff at the borough. Oh, no. We should all be buying stuff at the borough every time we go. Yep. I am a self-declared miniatures whore. Yeah, she's the Can be that. bought with minis and crushed she, ice. She does minis. <laughs> she's the minis whore. I'm the dice whore. Joe does dice. Yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I I really have uh, enjoyed that game. But we did the, we had this recent issue lately. Uh, recent lately. That was, that was a little redundant. See redundant. Um Around Gen Con and other cancellations we had around the time, uh, Joe went out of town one week and, you know, my wife has health issues and sometimes she just isn't up to it. And then I was gone for uh, one or two sessions with the whole, with the convention. 
And, and oh, yeah, just like we, we missed like six weeks straight. Yeah. So they're in the middle of this scenario, and um, I'm already, I mean, my goalposts are moving all the fuck over the place already, you know, because I went into it. Now I'm doing this, and the, <laughs> I don't mind pulling back the curtain on this for a little bit for you guys because you guys get it. I'm doing this not exactly blind, but I am tying one eye behind my back. I, <laughs> I, I've gone into this with, without any real goals, so I decided, for example, that they entered this this sort of test. Um, Jay actually helped me come up with the scenario. Oh, this was fun. Where we, uh, he's actually, you guys owe a lot of the shit you had to go through with him because he's been my sound you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. I get to listen to the stories afterward. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah. He knows the, he knows the campaign. He's not there, but he knows what's going on. He knows the characters. 12 Shades of Fucked Up and Distracted right now. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. That, that's got nothing to do with Alicia, by the way. <laughs> what? So uh, <laughs> I was concerned that because of this, the big break would be disastrous, right? right? They were – but the weird thing is they're, they're in this kind of like um, test that was this alternate reality situation that are put in by these, these organization that they're trying to infiltrate. And so they're trying to kind of fake their way in through their, their pre-designed sort of like qualifiers, right? So they end up in this alternate reality thing. Oh, and, and this test was never meant for them. That should be right, right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they they were not exactly <laughs> the type, you know. Um, without getting too much into it, I don't want to take forever to explain it. But they got into the situation, and I decided immediately. I said, "So um, the test is about testing what the um, people who want to join this organ, the supplicants, uh, I don't know, whatever, they want to join this organization." what it is they're willing to do or, or how it changes, you know, what they can commit to that showcases their uh, understanding of the precepts, their dedication, blah, 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 whatever. I don't know what any of that fucking means because it isn't going to matter. These characters aren't going to do that anyway. Right. You know, so then I, wa- I, I, I present the situation and I just, I just fucking step back and see what happens because I have no clue, no plan. Zero plan. All I have is I know what's going on in the quote unquote world around them. So I literally sandbox them into it. But they know that there is a plan Mm -hmm. and they wholeheartedly believe they have to accomplish a thing to deal with the situation and get out. It's my favorite way to run a game. Holy crap. All I had to do was wait for the players to come up with ways to. Okay. So after about three weeks of this. <laughs> I make some notes in one of my entries that's like, well, maybe they could end up trying this or trying this or trying this. I came up with three things that maybe if I felt like it was going on too long, I'd kind of maybe start, you know, leading a breadcrumb or something too. You know, it's like right. maybe had this one. one of these three options. Yeah. That next session on their own, without my help at all, they came up with all three. Yeah. <laughs> Those are engaged players. They're having a ball. I hope oh, so. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> So they suddenly had a plan, which they didn't have at the beginning of that session. Even <laughs> at the beginning of that session, the plan was we're going to find the big bad and, and kick him. his ass. <laughs> That's often the plan. <laughs> I was like, this is so typical. This is fantastic. And I mean, I, I made him hard. Oh, yeah. Because it it was just a test, too. It didn't matter if it killed them either. <laughs> it was a great thing. In fact, he didn't end up killing them. He ended up like rendering them unconscious and shit and tying them up in the basement. But and they had a plan by the end of that next session. And then we missed six weeks again. So like, okay, so here's the problem. And I'm sure that you guys can see this even as I just march into it. We're getting ready to start this session where I... If, if I describe, even if I could remember, because I, I take notes, but <laughs> they're not that good. 
even if I could remember exactly where their brains were <laughs> at the end of that session and what exactly they had in mind and where they were at that moment, because I would have remembered by the next week, or even if we'd missed a week, I wouldn't have had a problem remembering that stuff. It's been a month and a half. I am clueless, okay? All I remember was that they, if I go back to my notes, those three things are things that they came up with and were doing. So that gave me something. Okay, so I know that we're doing blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, okay, there we go. Um, but if I start this session with... <coughs> If I start this session with, okay, here's where we were, here's what was happening, here's what's going on, what do you guys want to do? I wasn't sure if I'd get anything. Right. You know, the ice breaking on that session would have been hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you guys wouldn't have come up with something, but it might have taken an hour to get there, to get, kind of get rolling. I mean, especially when we haven't hung out for six weeks, we're already going to be, you know. Committing. Yeah. You know, it, it's not going to be a real coherent kind of session experience at that point. Anyway, shit, I had presents from Gen Con and things. I had th- you know, we had stuff to talk about. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but nice. Um, Always good. Yeah, <laughs> Joe's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and I like oh, dice. And ooh, that was funny. <laughs> Self-burn. Those are rare. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do this. What I need to do then is I need to find a way to put them into the same situation but make it reactive. Something that they can just start by reacting to and mm-hmm. kind of put themselves in the moment. So I skip to the end. I start with, okay, you're out of the test, <laughs> but you don't remember exactly why. And then we flash back to that moment. So I get to skip over a lot of like nebulous detail and kind of put people kind of where I think they would be at that moment, maybe-ish, in a way that doesn't, you know, that, it, that doesn't violate anybody's expectations. And then the reacting starts happening and everything starts clicking and it works. And the goalposts all fall into place. But I had no idea. That's not a case of moving the goalposts so much as it is as creating them on the spot when they didn't exist a moment earlier. Thank you for that. Appreciate You're it. welcome. Appreciate your insight. <laughs> I, I feel like I handled some of those better because this one was like I didn't know going into the session. Oh no, this that was is hands work. down. I have to say my favorite encounter I have ever played in my history with Dungeons and Dragons. Well, great, there was nothing planned. Excellent. <laughs> Sometimes those are the best ones mm-hmm. where you're just like, yeah. okay, this is the scene. Go, and, and I am reacting to you, reacting to what I put in front of you, and, to be and fair, it all just flows. To be fair. Uh, there were there were a couple of factors there that I did have control over that I felt would work. Right. You know, I did know the world, the right. setting, the NPCs. I knew the bad guys. I knew what you were going to be dealing with. And, of course, that means I also knew things you guys didn't know yet. So that was my linchpin is, like, I can drop into the middle of this encounter, and, and, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> An Alhoon comes out of the fountain. Oh, fuck. You know, yeah. it's like it just it just changes things, right? Right, right. Uh, so, I mean, there's that. And the other thing was by doing the thing where it felt like everything was, uh, you know, in my day array, you know, you were in the middle of the action, things are moving now that we have to deal. It meant that I could, I, I could skip a lot of the steps of trying to figure out positioning and pacing and what's happening when and where. And I don't know if you guys realize, but as we got rolling on it, I didn't even call for initiative rolls or anything for a while. I mean, we right. were just rolling. You know, just just things are happening because I'm focusing on you right now. And then we're going to flash back with that person. We're going to focus on them a little bit. And we're going to flash back, that, you know, that kind of shit. That, that, is, that is an important uh, technique that works most of the time and not always. But once you get some momentum, generate some momentum, mm-hmm. it is so much easier to keep people invested and engaged. But and I you was can go stressed. a lot of places. Yeah. I was scared, though. I did not know if it was actually going to build. And I, no. I actually really appreciated that you broke up Nira and Jonica, who are the daughter wife, the mother daughter, mm-hmm. and then you broke up the husband wife mm-hmm. into two different groups. And then not only that, but when you dropped us in, you dropped us at different places on the map, so we were separated in that way too. So everybody was kind of 
on their own, taking in Dealing all of the, the outside the stimuli situation. and then reacting to their yeah. individual situation, not a group situation. And it wasn't all combat stuff. Right. You know, the people were dealing with the villagers acting the way they were with Nessa. And, and I mean, it just it was, there was more going on there. In fact, it was up to you guys to initiate things that actually turned it into combat. Right. You know, I wasn't yeah. just going to well, do that Well, and then that, that required you. us to communicate with each other appropriately to right. coordinate what we were doing. It was lovely. Even once everything got rolling, my character, when he was coming in, or she was coming in, I expected to go and join Alicia's character because the person they were fighting was the one who had captured me, taken my powers, had a had tortured me. And kind of your personal bad guy. Yeah, it was yeah. like kind of my personal bad guy. That's the person I killed myself because of. But but then you didn't. I never made it over there because of the fountain interrupting in an Alhoon, and I never even saw the other guy because they were you know kind of on the other side over by a temple that sure. was a little ways away. So I never even made it to there or and got to deal with that person. It was awesome. It was having everything change dynamically through the fight was really and it, a lot of that kept us on our toes. Would have been hard to do on a map. Oh hell yes, yeah. because yeah. I think it would have painted too complete well, a picture. One of the things. That you that that doing theater of the mind for that kind of thing where you've split up the party, if it's not all combat, it lets you move through the combat stuff quicker, so that mm-hmm. those the attention to those people doesn't take so much longer than it does mm-hmm. other sorts of interactions. Because and again, it's a small group. Yeah, and that which helps, helps too. Yeah, but I, the the stuff you're describing this this I mean it's it feels very zen to me when I do that. It's like I'm going into this encounter. My players are walking in. There are obstacles. There are things that are in their way. They have goals. There's things they want to do. I don't have preconceived notions about how they're going to succeed. I may not even have come up with a way how they're going to get out of that trap. Right. I'm going to be open to the ways they come up with. But I'm not going to say, well, they have to. And this is in Adventures like Tomb of Annihilation we were talking about earlier. There are some traps in there where you just have to figure out the one little thing. And if they don't think of that thing and try that one thing, then they die. And that's really the opposite. Sounds sounds about right. Yeah. But like if, if you're going to if, – if you go in with this idea, this I'm going to be very improvisational. I'm going to be very responsive to their ideas. And I know my NPCs. I know their mindsets. I have a couple of resources I can throw in if things are getting a little bit slow or I need to punch right. up the action or whatever. Right. Um, you have your toolkit still. Right, yeah. right, right. No, you've got all those dials to spin. But I'm just gonna roll with it, see what they come up with. It. I'm not. They're they're not necessarily gonna succeed. But the things they try will have a chance to succeed, and and that makes for a really satisfying game for everybody. And more tra- traditionally, it seems like when they build story for a lot of uh, published adventures, they're really trying to answer a lot of these questions going in a lot of times because they're wanting to create some sort of consistency, right? Uh, that, those published adventures are kind of like a shared lexicon. Yeah. That's the way it was back in the early days because back then, that's all any of us all, all any of us knew. We all played the adventure. I mean, there were always people that made adventures out of their head or drew maps on their own and did a thing. But everybody had played a lot of those standard adventures. Oh, sure, yeah. Everyone so, knew what Black shared, Razor was. It's a shared <laughs> yeah. language. I yeah. mean, it really was the shared language at the time we had for AD&D because we didn't have the internet. You know, you met people who gamed and they had had experiences with completely other groups, but they'd all bought the same adventures. So... Right. We had that. It felt like with the fifth edition stuff they were doing with all the new, you know, D and D stuff that we were getting back a little bit of that and, 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 and paying tribute to that, paying homage to that by all these adventures that are pulling all these concepts from the old sure. traditional yeah. trappings and, and doing that with 
but to me, that also feels like in order to make that work, you have to create a story that has a level of consistency. Sure. Well, what that that's all true, and and the the adventures, the way they've written them, are written in a way that it doesn't demand that kind of very responsive DMing. Those of us that are comfortable doing it will what it make whatever adjustments here. We're we're gonna yeah we're gonna break run off the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's That's great. But what you're seeing now, because now there's so much. Well, a they have a big library of stuff that's available for new players and new DMs. But in the past year, they've started releasing stuff like Van Richten's Guide, uh, mm-hmm. which has all of those guides and rules for making your own domains of dread. Yes, and there's a. It's actually a really cool system. Uh, you, did you look through some of that? I've been spending a lot of time. I know you that. were talking about doing some Ravenloft stuff mm-hmm. at some point. And on DM's Guild, there's a supplement for the uh, Witchlight book that is uh, domains of whimsy or something. I saw like that. that. Yeah. And it's the same idea, but it's Fey rather than Shadowfell. Nice. Uh, so it's the same sort of idea. You have this domain. It is an expression of a particular Archfey's personality, and that controls what goes on in that realm and, and stuff like that. I had not even thought of that, And that that's something they're doing or could do with the so, Fey realms. Yeah. <sighs> So, so they're but what they're doing I'm in that in general. With myself. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're giving DMs like us now tools to build our own games and our own stories um, with our own archfey or our own. Um, but still using that shared language, right? Yeah. Right. Right. And so I, I'm really excited by a lot of the stuff they're doing now, and we're you know looking down the barrel of you know the the new edition or or 5.5 or six or whatever, whatever people are talking about. They're, 2024, no rush. Yeah, <laughs> right. So they're they're talking about that. We've got all the the new um, setting stuff that they're hinting very broadly at. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? I think it was this week they released some new um, Unearthed Arcana. With a bunch of like Planescape and and Spelljammer races, I've seen a comment about it. I hadn't looked like, at it. Yet. I hadn't looked into oh, it, but I heard that man. it came out. Yeah, and so I mean, they're they're really exploring the, the sort of last bit of the you know very popular uh, settings there, which were so problematic when they were developed because they were they were you know, not marketed well. They were they were invented to create content that was sold to a very narrow division of their audience. Mm-hmm. At too high a content, too high a quantity, you know, it was there's no way they could support the game when they were when they were just making a bunch of stuff that only a few people would buy. Yeah, and I, so we all, a lot of us know the material. Some right. of us have bought a bunch of it in the past, but it's not something that's been that they've been able to pay much tribute to in the core game. It'll be interesting to see because they've hinted about how they're going to be releasing things in different ways and different types of settings and. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I'm I'm excited to see what they're doing because as much as the internet likes to complain about things, wizards <laughs> seem whatever yeah, yeah yeah wizards seem to be making some really smart business decisions and some great choices with what they're doing and they're and they're, they're riding their this time. great wave yeah and they're taking their time about it yeah. I think their pacing on product release and support has been really solid yeah right now we're seeing kind of a, a, a push but I think that's because the the pandemic response in a lot of ways right you know let's get some more material out there because we got like we just had a book come out we got another one coming out this month another one coming out next month all because at once. before pandemic they were pretty pretty consistent of like putting out like a rule book a campaign book and a setting book each year 
Right. right. And then yeah. separate them out by about three or four months. Yeah. yeah. But they've got a movie coming out soon. There's there's always computer games. There's always other stuff going on. D&D's name is on the rise again. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, it, it's it's been household for a long time, but it's it's uh, reaching more people than ever, of course. And we're sitting here talking about it. I mean, this isn't a D&D centric podcast necessarily, but our audience hears us talk about it a lot because we play it. So... You know, it, it comes up, and I'm, you know, I knew this show we were going to go to that well because that's what we all definitely have in common, right? And you know, whereas I mean, obviously, uh, John runs a lot of Savage Worlds, and like you ran some uh, like the Blades in the Dark stuff for us. Yeah, I do Blades online. in the Dark. I do a little bit of Fate. I've done Fate. Yeah, Time Watch. It's been a while since <laughs> I brought up Time Watch. I do <laughs> enjoy Fate. Did you buy another copy of that? I think I missed up your book. I have somewhere. another copy of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's, right. it's, it's yours. <laughs> I, think, I think it was actually Jonica that borrowed that. it, but it's hers now. It's fine. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so the only time I've ran anything that wasn't D and D was when I ran that Wendy's Feast of Legends book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good stuff, though, right? It was fun, and it but it was also heavily inspired by Fifth Edition. So I, I have a couple of uh, like still shrink wrapped boxes of the Fourth Edition Gamma World stuff. Oh with wow, all the mutation cards and stuff. Oh like wow, that. weird. I I got picked them up at a, a con as a, a reward or something like that, and like, well, all right, and then they just got put on a shelf, but. They're probably worth five bucks on a on, on, on uh, eBay. Yeah, I imagine you get a little five yeah. dollar, a couple, a couple dollars for it. Yeah, maybe it might yeah. almost pay for shipping. Maybe they're prizes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 you got to be able to give them away. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I tell you, I tell you what, you understand exactly what that means when you run big events where you are giving shit away all the time. There's always people that turn their nose up at what they're giving for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So weird. Okay, I get it. I get it. I guess. But, you know, free is free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What have you. And, and meanwhile, I've got a stacks of a couple of books from different publishers, if you want to look at them sometime. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I did want to talk about this, though, and make it um, the the idea of kind of adapting, not just to, because it's not an unusual idea to adapt uh, the game to the interests of your players, what right. they respond to. It is, um, I think an important opportunity that a lot of game masters might miss. You know, if you don't kind of watch what, especially in campaign play, if you don't kind of watch what your players react to, respond to, and and find ways to engage that on a weekly basis, then you may be missing a chance to build, you know, a real relationship between the players and the world. It, it's, it's nothing nothing given about it, and, and there's nothing, you know, vital necessarily to the to the health of a campaign or anything because players will build their own engagement if you do your job right you know right. if if you, and and the game master's job isn't just to sit there and and you know stress out over book work it's to enjoy the gaming experience so i mean there has to be what you want out of it too built into all that but more than that looking at opportunities where in the course of uh playing through scenarios you can see what your players it, 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 there's always a fine line i guess between capitulating and making mm-hmm. things easy because too easy can be a problem obviously mm-hmm. and seeing what your players and their characters engage with and giving it room to grow in the story and in the campaign and that i think is is a, a tool that any game master could put in their in their toolbox and really make something good out of it and you don't have to do it with everything but if you can watch for those opportunities and uh I was scared to death uh, for a long time as a game. And I mean, I mean, I realize that when I say that, it, it's kind of ambiguous because I've been running games for like 30 some odd years. 
it has been a real adventure getting to a point where I, I mean, I can remember the point at which I became more comfortable improvising than, yeah. you know, where I didn't feel like I had to have everything prepared. And then I remember getting to the point where I felt like I could stretch and break the rules and expectations of the game we were playing and make it fun, not just make it something for people to fight about. You know, and then I remember getting, you know what I mean? So it's this this kind of like pacing and growth as a game master. One of these was the point at which I realized that I was no longer afraid to put the situation out there without a solution. Right. And that isn't about, because I used to think that the problem with that is, and, and to be fair, I've had, uh, even in the last 10 years, I've had groups that made me feel like I needed to be aware of this. Sometimes the players don't do anything. There may not be a lot of proactive right. <laughs> growth in that story. But just because you don't create a solution doesn't mean you can't right. when it's appropriate. And if it isn't coming together, you can just dump out of that and go somewhere else with right. a story. You know, you don't have to be glued to making sure that every single thing resolves in some way. That's life. You know, things happen and then they don't. So there was a point at which I realized that I didn't have to create solutions. This campaign that I'm running, the, that Joe and Alicia are playing in, is actually one of my it's kind of one of the fruits of my labor in that regard. Yeah, you know, I got to the point where I decided I would, um, I was inspired by an idea that Nira had for her character, and I wanted to see how far I could kind of push that, but let the players decide, let the characters decide what they wanted to do with it. And it's not a terribly sandboxy game. I mean, you guys, I, I haven't led you around by the nose or anything, but I've given you guys a lot of pretty straightforward hooks. Yeah. You know, so it's it's never been a question whether or not you have a sense of direction. It's a question whether or not that direction is going to yield anything. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. We go this way now. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and what kind of roadblocks you're going to throw up for me, <laughs> because that's something I got to worry about with this group. <laughs> that's weird, but no, it's I true. What you're talking about. No, <laughs> we would never mess with your plans. <laughs> and I don't think it's just a mess with my plans, but it is, I think, a natural consequence of putting this much pressure yeah. on the characters. They resist. They push back. And that can be fun. Mm-hmm. It can be rewarding. But pressure is also challenging because you, if you keep the pressure on and there's no relief, no escape valve, people get frustrated. That's not a fun game after a while. So the, the a thing that I want to throw in for uh, less experienced GMs who are starting to play around with some of these ideas because we've got really two different strands we're talking about here. There's the moving the goalposts idea of you know having shifting goals and then there's the whole like Zen, I'm not going to have solutions and I'm just going to see what they come up with. Right. But and it, those it, are different. Those yeah, are those absolutely. are different. But if, if we if we look at that that moving goalposts thing, and I think it's important to keep in mind also when we're thinking about that Zen, I'm not going to have concrete solutions in my mind uh, thing is your players need to experience the full emotional range of success and failure as they play. And if you, because you do something like you get too focused on trying to preserve a villain and you want to keep that bad guy for the next thing or the next thing or the next thing, and you whisk that villain out from a battle and they don't have a chance to try and kill that right. villain. Because we all know how satisfying that is. Right, right. Or, or whatever it is. If you take the victory away too soon, then they don't get to experience the high. And they're just right back into, oh my God, now we got to hike, hike to the next Mount Doom and go throw another ring into a damn... Uh, right, right, and, so, right. and it's like it's all grind and no reward so they need to have those victories so as you're moving those goalposts, you know leave the goalposts there long enough for them to see the ball in the net for a couple of minutes and then move it 
<laughs> right, right out from under it. Yeah. Lots yeah. of lots going. Or I, then remind them that, okay, that's just one point, but you're still down by three. Whatever it is. Right. But, but make sure that they get to enjoy that victory. I do know that Jay and I talked about this because we both had this happen in a campaign. It can be possible to create – well, okay. I guess it's kind of misreading the room in a way. But uh, I, I ran a campaign where the characters were regularly achieving important things, regularly achieving important goals. But the bad guy they were dealing with ultimately in the campaign was always 10 steps ahead of them, which meant that they'd win a battle but feel like they were losing the war. And this became so problematic after a while to Jonica's character. We talked about this on the show because Flox was a very kind of trying to be a happy, upbeat person because she was that by nature. But she felt constantly drugged down by the fact of what she couldn't do to save the world on a larger scale. Somehow feeling responsible for it because of her and her people's involvement in events that directly related to it. So, you know, you'd save your city just to find out that the rest of the world was affected by the by the madness. You know, you'd uh, stop the one villain just to find out that they managed to get what they needed before, you know, that the big organization managed to get what they needed before he was completely done with his plan that you foiled things like that. And it was, uh, one of the best examples was there was this automaton in this mountain inside the city that they found out about, went in and inadvertently woke it up. (laughs) And it started marching out across the city. Now the the PCs managed to lure it into the harbor and send it uh, somewhere else and get rid of it, save the day, minimizing the damage it did to the city. But you still got, you know, Jonica's character counting the cost. Right. Walking through the part of town that he crunched underfoot and looking at the buildings that were destroyed and the lives that were lost. And, oh, yeah, we, I mean, we saved the town. It could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. But those kinds of stories can be a challenge, too, because you are giving them the opportunity to meet goals. Mm-hmm. But you're taking away the you're 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 changing the stakes in a way that don't actually make them feel like achievements or accomplishments, and that's only to some people. Right. Some players are going to look at that and be perfectly excited with where that's going, and like, well, we'll just work harder next. <laughs> mm-hmm. Could you next time, gadget, or, or yeah. Joe, who you know, <laughs> I would have pushed it towards the town because that's funny. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No, you're, I want to know. <laughs> you're a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> No, but but I would have tried to climb on top and ride it into the coast. He is both a bear and a joy to DM for at times. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know that there's a really easy answer for that stuff either. But it, I, I always feel like you know, learn from your experiences, know your group. Yeah, yeah. You know, get to know what they respond to. Spend a lot of time, especially as you start experimenting with this stuff. Spend a lot of time talking with your players. Yes, f- communication mm-hmm. is is yeah. vital. And like I said, you don't always have to pull back the curtain like this. You don't always have to sit there and say, well, here's what's really going on, guys. You're making all this shit up as I go. (laughs) I'm sure you guys do this too, but when I'm playing, especially if there's something really tense going on, I have a tendency to kind of track back and forth across all of my players and see their responses to things. Mm -hmm. Because I do have some players who are much less likely to speak up if they are uncomfortable, and I know that. Because they're just uncomfortable with confrontation. A right. lot of that nonverbal stuff is a lot harder. It's one of the bigger problems with uh, playing online is you yeah. lose all of that nonverbal stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I would tough. argue that it's harder when you're playing with people you don't know or like also newer true. GMs and newer players who right. don't know they can have those conversations. Don't have the skills. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like last night. You started the countdown just to get one of our players to actually do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was straight out of the book. It says yeah. to slowly start counting down from 10. And I thought about pulling out a sound timer because I have them. But right the, next to the shadow dragons, 
Right. That's uh, <laughs> actually, it's in my DM drawer at my station. I have a station drawer that pulls out. It's got like all my sand timers and pens and decks of cards for deck of many things and deck of illusion and stuff. So. Because Alicia has know. her tchotchkes and her toys. Oh, yeah. Hey, I love my tchotchkes. I got a bone set in there. I got a set of tarot cards. We can make some fun. I was going to say, I love your tchotchkes <laughs> too, but I think that could get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> I, I do enjoy <laughs> I do enjoy the the tactile element though that kind of stuff too yeah. that that sort of I mean, not even literally the physical but the fact that it's adds another kind of dimension at the I, table of experience. I count my blessings in meeting this entire group of people because when I first started I was all about I map everything out because that's what people mm-hmm. want. They want the the Matt Mercer of it all. They want the full battle maps and all the minis and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But there's a time and a place. Yeah, There were definitely times where it bogged down gameplay and drew things out. And we're like making maps for little 15 cube rooms that are just not worth it. <laughs> You're going to have a fight in there, but nobody's actually moving. What the fuck does I it know, matter? right? It's going to be like one round of combat, you know. You can't even leave his threatened area. <laughs> I know, right? I always like when you're, you're drawing, hittable. I always like when you're drawing the whole map and you draw a room, they go in there, you're like, it's empty. All right, next room. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I'm like, why classic. is this room even here? Yeah. Right. There's no point. There's nothing to be found. Well, the funny thing is I'm running online stuff now in one game that's just all dungeon crawly shit, which I, I know... <laughs> It's weird because it's me, but I we've been playing with the, the dynamic lighting on Roll Twenty and all the it's you know. Really cool. Is that your yawning that. portal game? Uh, well, I mean, it has been. I've been. I'm finishing up the Forge of Fury now. They're about to deal with the the, the dragon, the the last level. But I because we're doing it like that, the map is always the game. Yeah, you know, we right. literally start this that area with me putting everybody back on the map where they're at, so they can see where they rested. You right. know, and move their pieces as they go. It, that's. It's actually one of the things because that, I mean, comparing VTT systems, mm-hmm. Roll20 does that. It's really just the map and then the character sheet and, and what you have yeah, going off. Yeah, that's, that's all it does. Um, I run most of my games in Fantasy, Fantasy Grounds, Grounds and the map is there, but you've also got all kinds of other things that's, that are going on. So it doesn't feel so map-centric. I, I don't have enough experience with different because most of it takes some money. You know, yeah. uh, Fantasy Ground has some investment to it. And I, I did buy a, a membership, not the high, high one though, the the kind of the middle one, the licensing one, uh, which I you know I like it, but there's also kind of a bit of a learning curve. So yeah, I, I have not too. spent the time to sit down and kind of figure it all out. And then you got to get your people learning it too. Yes, that you that know. takes time, and that's so. another big advantage of a home game with people you know is that all of those tools you get better right, at. Right, right. So. We uh, yeah, we of course D and D now D and D D Beyond is just such an amazing tool. D-D-D-D-D-D. If that's you know what you do, and yeah, yeah, we've gotten really used to and it, and it, it all ties into the virtual tabletops and stuff. Even really the Monday game job. that we're you're running for us, I think all four of us, our character sheets are we pull out tablet, phone, computer, and all our character yeah. sheets are on D and D Beyond. Yeah, I even forget often to roll real dice, even though I make sure and pull them out in front of me because I'm just laptop and everything anyway. I never do that because dice, dice, yeah, and you got and dice towers. Oh yeah, I got towers and trays and just mass amounts of dice. And I'm slowly starting to make a palette every session, depending on what character I'm running <laughs> that night and how they're feeling that day. Ah, <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, there was one night where he was not in a good place, and every single die in that tray was dark, smoky, iridescent skulls, everything dark and awful excellent i don't do that i just reach into my massive boxes of dice and grab random ones those are my dice for today because they're shiny all good points all excellent points i've i feel like uh the the map thing has 
changed the way I look at the game a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't necessarily know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. It just kind of is. It's a thing. I am now prepping. I'm actually going to, (laughs) I can't believe I'm actually going to do this. I wanted to run the Desert of Desolation again. I haven't run it in many, 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 many years. Four times. And I um, that four times. I've never seen the end of it. So I'm doing a fifth condition, a fifth edition. Actually, no, I think I found a fifth edition conversion somebody had done of just like the stats and stuff and some yeah. general things. But I'm going through and I'm having to create the maps in the virtual tabletop, you know, for all the lighting stuff and all that. And it's it's got a lot of dungeons. You know, it's 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 a really good adventure for this. So. But it's also very flavorful, you know, a lot of puzzles and a lot of uh, lore, a lot of story-based stuff, and it's going to be fun one to fun one to run with, I think. But I don't know um, if I'm excited about doing this all online or not because it's going to be a different experience with that adventure. It's a little more involved. I've been doing all this dungeon stuff lately, right. so, with this group. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm blanking on the name of the module off the top of my head, but it's the one where there's like all the computers, but they don't want to say it's computers. So like, oh, there's the weird expedition to the Barrier Peaks. That's the one, Barrier yeah. Peaks. They I just saw it at the borough. They have a conversion to fifth edition book at the borough right now of that one. Nice. That one wasn't in the owning portal, was it? No. Um, it's like oh, some yeah, of the that other was the old one ones that were gave player characters laser guns. I remember. That. Yeah, with the little cartridges, like six charge cartridges or something <laughs> like that. So yeah, I was kind of flipping through, and it was fun to see the artwork of computers in a fantasy area. Back in the day, that kind of pissed me off, right? Because when I bought my when I bought my copy of that, I wasn't I wasn't gaming really when those originally came out. I was uh, very very young, but. <laughs> Yeah, I started gaming like I was eight years old. So I was like an 83, you know, as like, but I was just a kid. I wasn't buying materials and shit, right? So it was a couple of years before I got into that. I picked up a copy. They had a compilation of four kind of classic AD&D adventures that they call, it was like S1 through 4, they called Realms of Horror. It had two more horrors in it. Mm-hmm. It had ex- uh, White Plume Mountain. It had Expedition of the Berry Peaks and the Lost Caverns of uh, Sushkent, whatever however it's pronounced. And so those are the four adventures. And I never did anything with Lost Caverns. I never played with it. But I, I did run some of the other three. I mean, I, I was one of those guys who tried to run two more seriously, <laughs> which was dumb. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I kept fucking trying. And I was like, I don't know. Somebody build new characters. I want to try this again. This has this got to be possible, right? And it's like, somehow not without being very, very forgiving. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Weird, but uh, it was uh, it was it was kind of a cool setup. The the, the thing is that since uh, the Tomb of Horrors had had a bunch of artwork that was part of the original release, you know, that was all like giving you pictures of the traps and puzzles and stuff in the you know to so they, as an aid for the players. They decided to kind of expand that booklet for the other adventures as well. And they obviously they decided, oh, this is an opportunity to create the artwork you're talking about for Expedition of the Barrier Peaks. Right. This bugged the shit out of me at the time because I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute. So I walk they walk into a room and I describe you guys are in a, you know, the 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 floor seems to be made of sheets of iron. And there's a black altar in front, describing a computer screen in ways that the other people, and, and, yeah. and leaving it to their imagination, trying to figure, what the fuck are you talking about? And then you show them a picture of a computer. And I show them a picture of a computer. Yeah, right. Even an old CRT looking computer. Because right, that's, right. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's freaking easier Commodore. easier to disguise in. that now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess nowadays, no, people wouldn't necessarily know what that was. What is that? <laughs> Yeah, show them a payphone, see what they figure out. Right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't Superman use one of those? Yeah, something like that. Like more and more people don't realize what that little icon is on the save button. Yeah, right. Oh, the disc. disc. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. I thought it was it's a little Actually, square I, with a squiggly thing I on it. I had one of our summer program kids who was like, what's a floppy disk? And I'm like, oh, no. I'm officially old. 
cold. Mm-hmm. Damn it, it. It, hits, it hits you like that. It's just yeah. out of the blue. Yeah, yeah but then 10 open. minutes later, me and these three like 12-year-old boys had a full-on discussion about D&D, and everybody else present was confused, so it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you were in your own back right there. Yeah. It's true. I, guess that's the, the, I was the coolest grown woman they'd ever met at that It's kind of like reverse <laughs> gatekeeping, I guess. <laughs> right. He's like, come be part of the company. No, I'm not comfortable here. I do not consent to this. <laughs> My don't boss know what you're talking like, about. Don't even get her started. <laughs> uh, too late. I do want to remind everybody that TsunamiCon is coming uh, pretty quick now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right around the corner. Is yeah. it two weeks? Yeah, from this recording. Yeah, it's, oh, uh, it'll be uh, two, <laughs> two weeks from yesterday. Second, third, and fourth. Twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth of October. So if you're listening to this after that, <laughs> you missed it. Uh, or, or you? It was great. Yeah. You should have been. Or he there. didn't get it edited we had in so time. Much fun. Yeah. Hey, and now. <laughs> and new games are getting added all the time, right? Presumably, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shots fired. By, by, <laughs> right. by probably some of the people in this room, yeah. now that you mentioned it. I, I earned that. You know, I, <laughs> Come I want, try my Pathfinder Suede game. I want more Ooh. stuff on the schedule, but as always, we're already seeing trends to where some games are just filling up and other games are getting like one person. It's not or no person. You know, people are, it depends on how many players we get really invested in this. In these online events and a lot of people won't bother until the last minute mm-hmm. so we just won't know last year we did pretty good in terms of having enough games that everybody got to play but that invariably means there's games that do not get enough players yeah they don't get made and so we have you know we i think a lot of our players or a lot of our uh, community understands that's just going to happen so since we're doing this online thing you know check the discord channels and see what's going on and what people still need right and uh, go go fill another slot if you're running a game and it doesn't make you know it's you you gave it 10 minutes in see what's still open and go play something you know i i there's there's no wrong answer right as long as you're trying but Promote your shit too, you know, especially if you're listing late, you know, put them online, uh, put them in. We have a, a Facebook group. If, if, if young people know what Facebook is. Um, <laughs> these, now we're on um, the TikTok these days. Yeah. We don't have a TikTok group. I don't know how to do that. Uh, but it's really no, not that bad. Uh, I thought it was going to be awful, but it really subreddit. isn't that bad. See, that's how I knew I was old. I got to the point where TikTok... Not only do I not understand it, it scares me. So I'm officially old. Uh, I, I'll be honest, uh, and I'm older than you, but TikTok is a huge time sink. Oh, yeah. It is. Oh, that. it is. Somebody sent me a video once, and this is how it works, now. right? Somebody sends you a video that you actually check out and think, well, that's kind of interesting. But in order to check it out, you have to sign up the account, right? Which means you then have the app, and it's right there in front of you. So when it's done with the video, it goes to another video. And it well, goes to another video. And as it figures out what it like, what you like, it uh-huh. starts doing a better job of showing you stuff you can't turn mm-hmm. away from. And their algorithm is really good. It is. It really is. Scary it's gotten good. to the point where if I scroll past a specific creator multiple times, and I notice they continue to pop up on my FYP, I'm like, obviously, I'm supposed to like this person. So then I just go to their page and start scrolling through shit. I, like, I am old. What was FYP? For, for you, page. Yeah. For me, page that would be yeah. FMP. Oh, that's different. For you, page. Oh, for you. Like the actual words. Oh, oh like when you're looking at you. the screen, it is talking to you oh. and saying, "These are the things that are for you." This is my too dear, literal. sweet my old man. My brain is exploding. Can't <laughs> <laughs> fucking deal. Like I said, I don't understand, and it scares me. Yeah. Uh. So there's nobody ever looks at their following thing. There's actually a tab for all the people you're following, but nobody ever goes to that. You just stay on your for you page because I swear to God, even the for you page sends me all the people I'm following. It's like it knows who I check back on frequently, and anytime there's a new video, it throws it in like my first five. 
So it's kind of like the anti-Facebook, Instagram thing where it only shows you what you're following unless you go looking for it or something. Or unless it's somebody that you like every single one of their videos and frequently go back and check their account and then it'll throw you. No, it is, it, is a, it is a really big... Have you, have you gotten into it yet? No, yeah. I've yeah. been avoiding it. Like It's a, a trap. I know. I, th- I think I accidentally sold your wife on checking it out. I, I <laughs> Sorry. heard that. My dice-making friends did this to me. <laughs> I saw you post. Did you? You, you posted something. Which one? I, I post a lot these days. Do you? I do. <laughs> it's way too somebody, easy to somebody post. Somebody shared it. I, I was like, I, I like screenshot videos when I'm at work. I'm like, oh, I got to do that later. Oh, okay. I got to use that sound later. <laughs> I tell you what, she used language I don't know. Yep. Uh, well, no, it's language I know. It's not used in a way that I understand. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it either. It's really not as bad as it sounds like. Well, this is not the show to discuss it, I guess. But no. Anyway, <laughs> if you have a TikTok group that you can advertise your games to, feel free. But definitely let people know what you're doing because the late games that get added are also less likely, you know, because people have already signed up for stuff. And unless somebody sees your shit and goes, oh, no, I want to do that, and then unsigns up from another game. You know, you get you get well, less of that. And the other thing to do is if you're a player out there, hey. Sorry, it's telling me I'm supposed to go to the gym tomorrow and to get my bag ready. That's all. If Your you're phone a, doesn't realize you're not at home. Apparently. If you're a player and you're looking forward to a certain type of game and you don't see it on the schedule, right? put something in the Facebook group. If you, So install Facebook and put something in the Facebook group and say, hey, I'd love to play this. Is anybody running it? And yes. then one of the GMs who's sitting around saying, I don't know what to run. Well, maybe think about running it. Absolutely. That's an excellent idea. I won't. I'm already running a bunch of shit. I don't usually do that at my convention, but I've done more of that lately since we do online cons. They don't require all of my attention. Right. So Ooh, I'm running like four games. To play in one of your games. I can't remember if I signed up for one of yours or not. Yes, but three of them are sold out, so you better fucking hurry. <laughs> I'm already too late. Get your Damn shit it. together, man. Yeah. That, that's the story fine. of my life. I actually, uh, but again, I like small groups, so I got like small groups. I'm doing like four-player games. Which I feel is okay in an online, especially yeah, online yeah, yeah. game. It's like you know more more often more likely to get full and leave plenty of other games for other people to to sign up for. So, which is you know my goal, right? Yep. So make sure you check it out. Uh, tickets are uh, really cheap. You know, ten bucks for the whole weekend. Just a couple bucks if you sign up as a game master. I had to put the kibosh on the merch. So you know we we because we uh, we uh, purchase our merchandise to pre order. So if you did not get it, too bad. If we have any <laughs> leftover, I'll let you know. But uh, at this point, you know, you can still get a ticket. You can still get in all the events uh, coming up on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th of October. So be there. TsunamiCon.org, best place to find it. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. I appreciate you guys being here. It's nice a fun, meet fun show. Always Good fun. to meet you guys. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm a little crazy. Yeah, and you guys are all such important parts of the – you guys are pillars of this particular gaming community. Mm. So, it, And it just seemed strange to me that you hadn't hung out at all for anything. <laughs> the group, you know, except the, the, the off chance that some of you might have sat at the same gaming table for a minute or something. Yeah. You know, I think we played at something Probably, at a yeah. game day or a tsunami con, yeah. but I can't remember. I said, you look familiar now that we've had the discussion. I'm like, oh, yeah, we exchanged like three emails and then things have, fell yeah, apart. Yeah. There you go. That's life. Uh, feedback at prismaticsunami.com if you'd like to be part of the conversation. And if you have any questions for anybody here, I know that's not the regular cast, but I will be happy to pass it along. Go ahead and uh, send it to me, and uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do to get them to answer. Yes. This one's for Richard, asomtees.shop. Oh. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode number, I don't even know, Gamers Anonymous. Richard won't hear it. He's not on here, so he's not going to listen. That's but true. I still did it. <laughs> In his honor. There you go. It's like he was here. This is how you know you're respected, Richard. (laughs) My name is Eric. I'm Alicia. I'm Joe. I'm John. 
I'm the kid. Yes, you are. I thought you were Jay. Jason! You're even confused at the end of the show. <laughs> I'm you so many people. Yourself. How can you expect me He may me be confused, but he's pointing his mouth at the microphone like a damn grown-up. Yay. It is but he's the kid. It's so easy to make her proud of me. <laughs> Low bar. might not be a good thing. Low bar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about him or me. <laughs> <laughs>